The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Make the most of your life. When you remove the blocks that are holding you back, you can bring inspiration, passion, and purpose to yourself and those around you. This is the Hoffman Connection with your hosts, Raz Ingrassi and Ed McClune. Our hosts and their guests will give you the tools that you need to improve yourself by bringing you closer to what really matters. Now, here's your host. Hello. Welcome to the Hoffman Radio Show. My name is Raz Ingrassi. We're coming to you live from beautiful San Rafael in Northern California, just north of the Golden Gate Bridge. And uh, I am the CEO of the Hoffman Institute. I'm a teacher of the Hoffman process, a husband, father. And if you've never heard of the Hoffman Institute, we are celebrating 45 years as the leading personal development program that are helping people who are really serious about change. That's our byline, when you're serious about change. And we've been doing that for more than 40 years. It's an adult program. And I've known Joan Borisenko for 20 of, of the last years, at least 20, maybe 22, and I'm so excited about her joining us this week. Uh, I was thinking about it, the fact that I met Joan serendipitously one winter night about 22 years ago when I was visiting my cousin, a psychiatrist in Boston. The doorbell rang, and it was Joan and her husband who had driven down from I don't know, Skitchewood, I think it was, a place somewhat north of Boston in a snowstorm that had just begun. Because they were planning to fly out the next morning, they wanted to stay overnight in Boston so that even if the snow piled up, they'd still make their airplane in the morning. And, of course, I'd been wanting to meet Joan Borisenko for years, and suddenly here we were in front of a fireplace being able to talk for hours. It was a fantastic beginning to our uh, friendship. And Joan had founded... Uh, in 1980, I think it was, the mind-body clinic at Harvard. Uh, she was a licensed psychologist and an instructor in medicine at the Harvard Medical School and had already authored at least her first or second book by that point. Her her books were already at going national. I mean, they were bestsellers in the New York Times, and everyone knew that she was on the forefront, forefront of mind-body medicine. Um, and in in all these years, since 1980, Joan has just been a distinguished pioneer in integrative medicine. She's a world-renowned expert uh, on what you might call the mind-body connection uh, and has been, she's just foundational to the international healthcare revolution uh, that recognizes the meaning and the uh, importance of emotions and spirituality as an important dimension to healing. And so it's just a great privilege. I, I I was thinking earlier today that Joan is such a gem, and then I the next thing that popped into my mind is she's more than just a gem. She's, uh, in the Buddhist sense, uh, a wish-fulfilling gem. She's a gem that brings wisdom and knowledge 
and love and compassion to anyone and everyone who ever meets her. And so I think of Joan as a kind of a, certainly in this field, a national treasure. And so, Joan, I want to welcome you to our show uh, with, a, you know, with all my heart and just tell you how happy I am that you're able to share yourself with, uh, with our listening audience today. Well, Raz, you know, that was such a touching introduction. I'm sitting here crying into the telephone. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm thinking, expect me to say something after that? So it is. It's wonderful to be there, wonderful to be with your listeners. Um, I'm really excited because, uh, you know, I heard from your engineer, we already had a lot of callers on the line, and I know you want to get uh, 10 or minutes or so of conversation happening before we take those calls, but isn't isn't that wonderful? Um, yes. The uh, Hoffman process is just uh, so, so seminal, the best thing in personal growth, and I'm absolutely thrilled to be with you here now, and I've been thrilled to be affiliated with the Hoffman Institute for all these many years. It sure helped me out. What some? When did I take the process? Twenty, twenty, about twenty years ago. Yeah, within well, I think six months after our meeting, and yeah. uh, I remember uh, not long after that when you were talking with Bob Hoffman, and you said, "Hey, I thought I was going to have to take." two or three years off to develop a, a course to teach people about this, and now I can write books instead because you kind of already figured that out. And so, That's right. Uh, we, we have certainly appreciated your support. But I wanted to let our listeners know about two of your recent books. Um, one is called Your Soul's Compass, What is Spiritual Guidance? And this is such a remarkable book. I read this book, and I said, wow, this book was not written to be a bestseller. This book was written to tell people the truth. And um, I am so moved by the wisdom that you are uh, making available through that book. And, Joan, just tell us what is spiritual guidance? What do you mean by that? And how, how can we use it? Why is it so important? Well, it's very important because there's, there's no map that tells you how to live your life. There's no map that says, hey, here's your purpose. Here's where your gifts meet the world's needs and you can be of best service. Um, there's really no map that says this is the way that your particular manifestation of spirit in your particular human form is going to actually find the depths of spirit. I mean, there are a lot of pathways, but there's a different one sometimes for each one of us. And therefore, we need to develop some inner authority to find, to find inside of ourselves what is the path that opens before us. And that's what spiritual guidance is, and we experience it in so many different ways. Uh, you know, to, to be able to rise up and to co-create with the emerging future. That would be my definition of following guidance. And, you know, guidance that comes through dreams, through synchronicities, through, um, you know, through, for some people, there'll be guidance just in the conversation that we have today. They'll be thinking about something Raz, and suddenly something you say or I say will light something up inside them, and they'll feel it in their body, and they'll say, this is true for me, and it will, you know, lead to the next step. What my husband, Gordon DeVeron, and I decided to do, because we're both interested in spiritual guidance, is to, uh, to round up some of our favorite spiritual teachers 
and ask them what is spiritual guidance. And we developed a whole list of questions about what is guidance, how can we tune into it, how do we prepare ourselves for it, what blocks are not only our receptivity to guidance, but once we have it, what are the things that block actually bringing it into action. Uh, and we ask questions, global questions, about what kind of guidance is needed in the world today. And then we tried to get a male and a female from as many spiritual paths as we could to interview. So we had uh, a male and a female rabbi. That was very easy. A male and a female Buddhist. When it got to the male and the female Catholic priest, that was <laughs> harder. Uh, but we did interview one of my favorite spiritual teachers, of our times, and that is Father Thomas Keating, who mm. is one of the three elders who were in their 80s when we interviewed them. Another was Swami Adaswarananda, who's since passed over. He used to be head of the Ramakrishna Vivekananda Society in New York City. And then the third elder was Reb Zalman Shakter Shalomi. But we interviewed Quakers and we interviewed shamans. Uh, and what we found so compelling was that they met on a common ground of understanding that went beyond their particular, uh, you know, religious background or training to a common place. And, of course, they might express the same ideas in different language because religions are like that. They're different languages of spirit. And we learned something unique from each one of them, and particularly... I would say that um, <laughs> the most important thing we learned uh, was summarized well by Father Thomas Keating, who said, this is probably a direct quote, I might be paraphrasing a little, but he said, you know, life, life is a journey into the unknown. And if you think you know where you're going, then you're on the wrong path. <laughs> so. Well, this is pretty <laughs> impressive. I mean, you tapped into all these really deep lineages that go back hundreds if not thousands of years and found the commonalities among them. Uh, and what I kind of took away from your book is that everyday life is a spiritual experience. And if yeah. you once you sh make that shift as the, the wisdom shift or the compassion shift or whatever you want to call it, um, then everyday life is a, is a spiritual experience, and your life itself is a spiritual experience that you learn to trust. And um, and I want to ask you about you know that matter of trusting it has to do with developing discernment. We so often hear that somebody, you know, God told them to do something awful, and um, and so I think a lot of people get turned off to the idea of of receiving some spiritual guidance or discerning it. And how do you tell the you know, the good, bad, and the ugly, as uh, Clint Eastwood might say. Yes, well, I'm going to date myself with this comment, but that's the $64,000 question. Uh, that was the question that got us extremely excited uh, because, you know, first of all, let me give you a definition of guidance that um, was given to us by Hamid Ali, who mm. is the founder of the Diamond Approach. He writes under yep. the pen name of A.H. Almas. Wonderful and teacher. what you know, what Hamid said is, he said, "Look, there's guidance about everything, but spiritual guidance is a particular form of guidance, and it's guidance to the freeing of your own soul, what leads you toward freedom, and that has a great deal to do with discernment." Uh, 
<laughs> discernment. In other words, is it my ego or is it guidance? Is this something to really follow that will not only help in the world but set my own soul free in the process? That's what's so important. And <laughs> when we asked Reb Zalman Shakter Shalomi about this, we said, well, how do you tell the difference here? You know, you've got this desire nature, you've got your own agenda, you've got your own plans. How do you know you're not projecting that onto, uh, you know, making meaning out of things that don't have meaning? And he looked at us, he, he laughed absolutely hysterically, and he said, <laughs> if you two can answer that, I'll become your disciple. <laughs> and <laughs> that I thought was a great line. Uh, so discernment, discernment really has to do with, for example, I'll give you, I'll give you an example of every discernment in everyday life. I was going to do this phone call today from down the mountain because my husband Gordy and I wanted to go to something in Boulder this evening, an event. So we were just going to go and I was going to do the call from a friend's house so we'd be near the event when it started. And then... I started to get a feeling, looking at the weather and the blowing snow, that it was not such a good idea to go, because right now we couldn't get out of the driveway. We're having a ground blizzard. I live on a mountain <laughs> mountaintop in Colorado, and high winds are kicking up the snow, and it's completely plugged the driveway. And Gordy said to me, I'm sure, you know, we could get out, and then we won't be able to get in, but we could park the car in the street, and... What I felt in my body was my body said no. I could feel a sense in my gut. You know that sense you get when something is just an absolute no. Uh, you realize not right here. And I think one way of discernment has to do with really listening to your body. And even if you go back, for example, in the Christian mystical lineage, you've got the... Uh, the guy who founded the Jesuits, you know, in the, in the 1500s, uh, who, uh, you know, St. Ignatius of Loyola, whose spiritual exercises have meant so much to people for all these years, who wrote about discernment uh, in this way, that there are things that bring you to a sense of inner contentment where you feel connected in some way to spirit. And... When you feel that inner con connection and contentment, which is a bodily feeling uh, and an emotional sense, then you know you're on the right track, and that's part of the discernment that this is the emergence of spirit with which I can cooperate. But when you start to feel deeply uncomfortable, or if you start to get, um, for example, a sense of depression, uh, and I know that the other book we're going to talk about is um, is fried. Burnout is a sense of depression. Uh, and he would have said, that tells you that you're on the wrong track, that whatever you're doing is not something that's going to set your soul free or ultimately be so helpful to others because you've um, fallen into this state of, uh, of really low energy and a state where you're out of connection with spirit. And so... That's, that's a basic discernment that I use all the time, and Ignatius called it consolation, the contentment and oneness with spirit, and desolation, the sense of um, being despondent or fried or out of connection with spirit. 
So that's, that's amazing. Anyway. That's wonderful. Listen, Joan, we are going to go to break in, a, in just a moment here, but I want to remind our listeners that we're listening and speaking with uh, Joan Borisenko, Dr. Joan Borisenko. Our title of our day today is Take Back Your Power, and if you've been listening, you know by now that she's talking about your deepest soul power. And uh, Joan, thank you so much. We'll, we'll go to break now and be back in just a minute or two. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. That's it. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. Are your unconscious patterns holding you back from a life you truly love? For 45 years, the Hoffman Process has helped people reclaim their ability to find love, forgiveness, and their true purpose in life. According to a University of California Davis study, Hoffman Process participants significantly increased their joy, satisfaction, and emotional intelligence on a sustained and lasting basis. For more information, visit us at hoffmaninstitute.org. The Hoffman Process, when you're serious about change. Visit hoffmaninstitute.org. Are you looking for more joy, satisfaction, and love in your life? The Hoffman Process can give you the foundation and tools you need to create your ideal future. Celebrating 45 years as the premier personal growth program, the Hoffman Process has helped over 80,000 people worldwide discover answers and guidance to help them find their best life ever. Visit us at hoffmaninstitute.org for more information. The Hoffman Process, when you're serious about change. Again, visit hoffmaninstitute.org. You are listening to The Hoffman Connection. To reach Raz and Grossi, Ed McClune, or this week's guest, please call in to 1-866-472-5788. Again, that's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to radio at hoffmaninstitute.org. Now, back to our program. Hello, everybody. This is Razzy Grassi with Dr. Joan Borisenko. I have to mention that Ed McClune is not co-hosting this week because he's off teaching the Hoffman process, but he'll be back next week. And so we're talking with Joan about discernment, spiritual discernment. Are we going in a direction that helps us become less selfish, more compassionate, loving, and peaceful? Or have we somehow gone off on a tangent that keeps us tethered to old habits, perceptions, fear, greed, and ignorance? And uh, I was talking to Joan about this at the break, and she said, yes, that's why we need friends who can tell us that we have spinach in our teeth. Um, And I think that's a good way to move into the next thing, which is we have Sean from California who has a question for Joan, and we'd love to have Sean live with us. Hi, Sean. Hi, Joan. How are you? Good. Good. What's on your mind? Well, um, the other day I was thinking about my emotional life versus my overall life, and this term came to my mind, and I thought, who better to ask than you? Um, emotional stroke. And I was wondering if you've ever heard of such a term or if you have any thoughts on uh, no, that. No, I've, I've never heard that term. What was the context for it, Sean? Um, well, I was just thinking about um, how I am emotionally in the world and how things sometimes upset me and just thinking about my childhood and, you know, trying to put things into perspective. And... Um, when that term occurred to me in my mind, I thought, 
Well, you know, there's a possibility that we have emotional strokes in the same way that we have physical strokes and that, you know, emotional impact or emotional things impact our lives in a way that kind of stymie our growth or stymie us being able to, you know, relate or work in the world emotionally. Well, I think actually that was a, a stroke of genius <laughs> that came because I'm sure Raz would agree with me that things things do happen to us, uh, certainly in childhood, certainly in later life, that that affect our amygdala uh, so severely, you know, the emotional centers of the brain, that just like a physical stroke, uh, the, 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 whole, the whole way that our neural wiring is configured changes as a result of that. And the good thing is that the brain is plastic. That's what's been so exciting in the last 20 years of neuroscience. We know that you can recover from uh, these emotional strokes and, and hopefully from many physical strokes as well. And the, that's really the question. How do we come to emotional freedom? And if something has happened to us that's really changed our brain wiring so that we're fearful about something. For, you know, for example, uh, I just gave a day-long training for the Army because there are so many people there can, who are working with returning soldiers can be traumatized just from hearing the stories of trauma. PTSD is shared. So not only our own traumas, but other people's traumas can create emotional strokes. And now we have a great deal of research about how to go about working with that. And, I, you know, I have to say, not just because I happen to be on the Hoffman Connection radio show, but because I know that it's true, the tools that you learn in the Hoffman process for emotional freedom, uh, tools of awareness, tools of reflection, tools of being able to back up from an emotional situation and recognize, wait a minute, this is not actually what's happening. This is something that's coming from somewhere else. And wonderful tools uh, of, of, of meditation and imagination and spirituality really help you to reverse those. I think another very great area of research now is the area of mindfulness meditation and how the brain actually changes when we learn to simply witness our emotions without mistaking them for who we really are, but just like, well, here it is. Here's anger or fear, and this immediate situation doesn't really call for it. And recognizing our emotions are like clouds, they pass. In a minute, something else will happen there. And then that, little by little, we put down new brain wiring and wire our medial prefrontal cortex back down to our limbic system. And then we can overcome the emotional stroke. So I'm sure that you too, Sean, have thoughts about this and what's been helpful in terms of coming to emotional freedom. Yes, I have. Sean, I want to tell you we have to go to other callers, but I want to remind you to please not hang up. Stay on the line for a minute uh, so that the 
producer can get your information, and we want to send you one of Joan's books. All right. Thank you so much. Thank I you really so much. It. As we go on here, I just wanted to comment that Joan always weaves like four or five, at least four different strands into all of her thinking. First off, her clinical experience. Secondly, her psychological, not only her own, but the, the body of psychological and biological research that's out there. Her own personal experiences. She's very much on her own path and her own journey. And then the larger spiritual view that uh, gives us the perspective and the healing force through all of this. So when you listen to her speak, she's got those three different strands going. We have a few minutes until the next break. I was wondering if we could take another caller. Maybe we don't have one on right now. I thought we did, but I guess oh, we don't at the moment. Oh, I guess not has hung up because it was a long wait. But that's you know, it. That's if it. You're, if you're if you're listening, there's nobody else on the line now, so do call right in, and we can take you after the break. That's right. But um, Joan, I wanted to ask you a little bit to speak just a little bit more about. Uh, the thing you touched on there with Sean, clearing away the sources of obstruction to the inner light that we feel and that, uh, you know, as we do that purposeful action and uh, deep contentment just arise naturally and that all of this doesn't originate from outside. It originates from, um, you know, being loved and accepted by other people. It originates within yourself. And, um, you know, that that's kind of the big secret. I'm sure that that came up over and over again with all these great lineage bearers that you spoke to. Could you comment on that and clearing away the obstructions? Well, yes, absolutely. Uh, you know, I, I have to say that this is this is an idea once again that you have in common with all of the you know the mystical aspects of all religions, all real spiritual traditions. We'll talk about this. And for example, you know, once again in the Christian tradition, we have Meister Eckhart. Who said you don't you know you don't find God by addition but by subtraction. So to subtract the blocks to the light. Uh, in the Course in Miracles, they would be talking about removing the obscurations to love's presence because love is already present within you. Within the Buddhist tradition, uh, there's the same idea of you have a true nature. Your own true nature is that radiant love that sense of peace and it's there so it's a matter of of peeling away the lampshade (laughs) so that you can see the light and each tradition has got its own way of getting there but what's common in all traditions is the idea of presence of learning to be present in the moment and the greatest block to presence is fear and so maybe when we get back we can talk about um, what one of one of the people in the Soul's Compass that we interviewed, Reverend Dr. Cynthia Bourgeau, who I think is probably the greatest female wisdom teacher of our times. She calls this learning to tame and domesticate our fear. That that is the biggest block to well, the light. One of the things I remember learning from you many years ago, when you were so deeply into uh, you know the, the pioneering mind body medicine. Is I said, what is it? What is the simplest form you can tell me this in? And, and you said that something like disease is always associated with fear, and love is always associated with healing. That's right. And 
I want to just leave our listeners with that thought. We're going to go to break in just a minute. We're going to return with Joan Borisenko taking back your power, taking back the power, your own inner power, your soul's power, the power that guides you through your own life and into a powerful and fulfilling spiritual connection with your own life. So we'll be back in a few minutes. News. Opinion. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. Are you looking for more joy, satisfaction, and love in your life? The Hoffman Process can give you the foundation and tools you need to create your ideal future. Celebrating 45 years as the premier personal growth program, the Hoffman Process has helped over 80,000 people worldwide discover answers and guidance to help them find their best life ever. Visit us at hoffmaninstitute.org for more information. The Hoffman Process, when you're serious about change. Again, visit hoffmaninstitute.org. Are your unconscious patterns holding you back from a life you truly love? For 45 years, the Hoffman Process has helped people reclaim their ability to find love, forgiveness, and their true purpose in life. According to a University of California Davis study, Hoffman Process participants significantly increased their joy, satisfaction, and emotional intelligence on a sustained and lasting basis. For more information, visit us at hoffmaninstitute.org. The Hoffman Process, when you're serious about change, visit hoffmaninstitute.org. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. You are listening to The Hoffman Connection. To reach Raz and Grossi, Ed McClune, or this week's guest, please call in to 1-866-472-5788. Again, that's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to radio at hoffmaninstitute.org. Now, back to our program. Thank you. This is Raz and Grossi with the Hoffman Institute and the Hoffman Connection. And... Today we're speaking with Dr. Joan Borisenko. We've been talking with her about her the, her recent book called Your Soul's Compass, What is Spiritual Guidance? And Joan has been talking with us and teaching us more about how to find that spiritual connection within yourself and trust it and discern it from what's real, from what's what, what's not real. We have different voices in our head after all. And um, I told her at the break that I wanted to turn our attention to her two more recent books, one she wrote, which was called um, It's Not the End of the World, Developing Resilience in Times of Change. And her, I think this book that just came out is called Fried, like fried egg, you know, fried. <laughs> Why you burn out and how to revive. So these are two very similar topics. And um, I was reading Fried, and what was fascinating there is that uh, you know, I always thought about stress. We hear all this conversation about stress and being too stressed and overstressed and all this and that. And then in reading your book, Fried, I realized that what you were talking about is more than stress, that that living 24-7 with stress can actually lead to a state of being burned out. Yes, when you're burned out, you're depressed and you feel have low energy and all that, but burnout is something really big. Could you talk about what you mean by burnout? 
Right. Yes, I, I definitely can. I, per, I, my personal thought is this. A lot of people who think they're depressed and who get put on antidepressants are actually burned out. And mm. the, the way to begin to differentiate these, I mean, there are biological depressions, but if it's, um, if it's burnout and not depression, you can go on a vacation and suddenly you feel a bit better after you've let go. Whereas if it's a biologically based kind of depression, you're not going to feel better by uh, by just going away for a little while. But you need to what what burnout really what really looks like is this. There's been a lot of first of all research on it, and I got interested in it because I had such low energy res, and you know me, I'm a high-energy person. Yeah. Really, such low energy. People would say, well, how you doing, Joan? And I would say, hi, I feel like an appliance and somebody's pulled my electrical cord out of the wall. I can just barely drag myself around. And I feel just emotionally exhausted. If I have to hear, you know, one more difficult story of somebody, I'm, I'm just going to have a fit. I just, I can't do it. I don't have space for it. I'm just like, you know, up to my ears here. I would cry very easily. Uh, I would find myself sitting at the computer and doing things like browsing around various websites, looking for things that interested me, and not. I was, suddenly wasn't motivated to, to get my work done. And the quality of my work was, you know, truly degenerating, which might not have been so apparent to other people um, because I was still very competent, but it lacked the zip, the zest, the curiosity, the desire to explore that has always been part of me. And then here's the worst part. Um, you've known me for a long time. Well, you know, I'm a normal sure. person. However, you know, I'm, I'm also a kind of nice person. I'm not the sort of person who blows up at people or, you know, suddenly gets snarky. And I found myself actually feeling snarky, both to colleagues that I was working Whoa. with and at home. And I thought, this is like not like me, exhausted, right. snarky, um, not motivated. And, you know, I went, I went to several doctors. It was so funny. I went to the acupuncturist who said, oi, there's no chi. And, and I was... I was she 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 looked at me like I was about to die momentarily. I never went back. <laughs> it was too frightening. And I went to my family doctor who said, "Well, you know, let's you know do this test and that test, nothing there." And nobody could seem to help me. And finally, it took me actually several years before I realized I was burned out. And there's a whole literature on it that most healthcare practitioners don't know about. And I thought, ah, I'm burned out. And then I could see what it was when um, it was really described in the early 1970s by a psychologist who was working in a corporate setting. And he said, this is what happens to people who are idealistic, which I certainly am, who are out to change the world and make a difference. And it's, it's a very sad thing because you lose your idealism. Um, ultimately, you kind of lose your faith and think it's, the whole thing is empty. It's meaningless. Well, it and, seems to me that, that when you can give yourself over so fully to a life of service that you lose yourself. 
Well, that's exactly and what happens. You lose yourself. It's a loss of self. That, that really is the simplest definition of it. It's not just like, oh, I'm working so hard and I'm feeling a little crispy around the edges. It goes deeper, although that's the first part of it. So the original researchers, uh, you know, did interviews of thousands of people, and they found that there were kind of like 12 steps from the starting point is that you find you're working too hard, and the end point is that you, you really crash physically, mentally, emotionally, uh, just completely crash. And it's helpful to have a map of that landscape because, you know, while we know that nobody ever experiences all the stages in anything, that stage theories are they're general, they're not specific to you as a human being, and you can skip some stages. But, you know, generally speaking, I found it very helpful for myself, um, you know, once I'd recovered a bit, and we'll talk about that, to have a set of, of milestones, or red flags maybe, that I could look at that would tell me I was slipping back again. And so, you know, some of the stages are you find yourself working too hard. You find that you're not taking care of yourself anymore, like, hmm, when's the last time I had a physical checkup, or my teeth need to be cleaned and I'm too busy to go, or I know that, um, I know that my birthday's coming up, but, like, who cares? Because well, you know, one of the things I'm listening to here and hearing between the lines of what you're speaking about is taking on suffering rather than pathologizing it, naming it as a disease, finding the roadmap to our own suffering so that we can find our way out of it as well. That's and Joan, exactly we it. have a couple of callers on the line. We want to first Great. go to Catherine from California who has a question for you. Hi, Catherine. Hi, Joan. Warm, warm. Hello. Um, I first want to say how inspiring you have been in my life. Um, my first spiritual book ever was Fire in the Soul and so meaningful to my young teenage self. Um, I wanted to ask about the way to plug into power, to my own power, when I am juggling a combination of work, grad school, a relationship. It's um, just... It's so hard to switch gears sometimes when you're going, going, going and having to be so responsible and showing up to actually reversing the flow and having things be really nourishing. Absolutely. I mean, you've really put your finger on it, and unless you do that, you'll end up burned up, burned mm-hmm. out, um, mm-hmm. which is exactly what happened to me. And so in order to really, to really nourish your own sense of power... You have to do what's totally counterintuitive and what's really, really difficult. And that is to say, what is it that really nourishes me the most? Is it, you know, quiet time by myself? Is it being out in nature? Is it time with friends? Is it meditation? Whatever it is, and you have to make that the number one first priority on your list. And by the way, exercise, I would say, um, needs to be on everybody's list. That, that's, that's the actual key to resilience, to keeping your brain state <laughs> in, a, in a good state. Uh, it's actually the best treatment for depression. Uh, but you have to say, how can I exercise and how can I add whatever else it is and make that my first priority and put it on my calendar 
because otherwise, we all know this, you can't give from an empty cup. When your cup is empty, you have no power, and you can't listen to guidance, and you can't find that power. Uh, and the whole, you know, the whole thing just spirals. It spirals out of, um, out of, it spirals out of right balance. So that's mm-hmm. what I would suggest for you. I know how busy you are because mm-hmm. I've had the life that, that you're living. <laughs> I've lived through it too. It was the first time that I burned out. And what I, what I have learned is you must put yourself first, Catherine. Excellent. Thank you yep. so much. And, and, and find I, that balance point in yourself instead of trying to find it outside yourself and, and, you know, how much work should I do? How much grad school should I do? How much right. time with my relationship? Mm-hmm. When you find the balance point in yourself, which is really what I hear you saying, Joan. Well, it is. And, you know, I have to share one tip from my friend <clears throat> Cheryl Richardson that has really helped me a lot. Uh, she says you have to learn to disappoint at least one person mm. every day and take it on as a practice. So today <laughs> I disappointed a very good friend who mm. wanted me to write a foreword for an absolutely beautiful book that she's just written. And I thought if I write that foreword, it will take me probably two days to read the book well enough so that I could write the foreword and then another day to write the foreword. And I just... Those three days will translate into I'll be fried. And so I said, All right. I had to disappoint somebody, and that's what it comes down to. Thank you so much. Now, uh, Catherine, please stay on the line. Our producer wants to get your uh, connection details so we can send you a copy of Joan's book. And thank you so much for your call. We want to take mm-hmm. one more caller. A woman from uh, Florida named Lois has a call, a question for Joan. All right. Hi, Lois. Hi, how are you doing? Uh, I'm I'm feeling very juicy, not at all burned out. How about you? <laughs> oh, that's good. That's good. I'm doing okay. I'm, I've been I'm like 57. I've been burned out, and uh, you know, a lot of times, and a lot of different things have happened in my life. You know, but right now, for the last few years, and I, I thought I had done a lot of hard things in the past, and I, I went to the Hoffman process. Um, like a year and a half ago, which is the best price saved my life, you know? Yes, isn't um, it wonderful? What a, what a privilege, isn't it? It is. It's a gift that everybody should have, you absolutely. know? Absolutely. It's a, absolutely a beautiful experience. And I, I, when I, you know, I just never knew what love was. When you haven't grown up in a loving family, you know? It's like the Hoffman taught me what, what it felt like to love, to uh be a walking a person walking around is so full of love that you just you are love. I never understood that. I never, you know, most people love us. Most people don't have a clue. I know I never did. You know, until the Hoffman process, and that, even as we go through hard times, you know, that's what always sort of saved me. That 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 learning what love was and what's the most powerful thing in the world and what is. What is the most important thing? You know, totally just just having that experience has saved my life. But the last couple of years, my mom died a couple of years ago, and I've been going through. Um, I don't know, but nobody can fix it for me. I'm just so confused because it's like my mom died a couple of years ago, and um, I have a brother and a sister. And we have an, uh, we had a good size inheritance, fairly good. It's not much anymore, but. And my brother and my sister, you know, um, 
my brother stole like a half a million, and now my sister stole it all. And they're like, I have my brother, my sister, and then two nieces, not counting my three children, you know. But it has turned into a nightmare, and it's like, they're, they're like all against me. They're so hungry for the money, you know, that it's just, I, don't, I mean, I couldn't possibly explain it to you because I'm still like in shock of it all, you know. And I keep trying to heal from it, you know, because I know being an anger and hurt, and I grew up that way, you know, from childhood. And I saw my mom die bitter and angry and sad, <laughs> you know. If I made that decision that I don't want to die that way, you know. And, Bless your um, heart. <laughs> and that really, the Hoffman really is what, like that comedy, what love was. I never knew what it felt like to be a person. Mm. It just changes your whole being. Do, like, do, you, have a, do you have a question for, for Joan okay. Lois? Um, anyway, I just didn't know how, I don't know, I'm just rambling. I just, um, what's the Beautiful story, amazing, to, really. To heal, I don't want to fight with my brother and sister, and I don't know how to end this or stop. Well, you or, know, here's my suggestion for you. Um, it's, I'm wonderful, it's wonderful that you've got that you've got some tools that you understand about compassion and forgiveness and self-love. Yes. And those are always very, very helpful tools. And practical tools are useful, too. And I would say that a very practical tool in this kind of situation, which is a very common situation, by the way, squabbling over inheritance. It? <laughs> yes, it's extremely common. So realize you're quite normal here. Uh, it happens all the time. And, of course, it's, it's, it's upsetting because you're squabbling with your own family. Heartbreaking. Yes, you know? heartbreaking. You need a mediator. I would, I, would, um, I would find somebody who can mediate that dispute uh, who you know has no no interest in anything other than people coming to peace in a way that's fair. And it's easy to find mediators these days. You could look, I think, in your local. Gosh, what? I like to mediate the, the yellow settlement anymore? Lo- we, but <laughs> and Lois, I would like to suggest that you call the call the Hoffman Institute. We'll give you a free coaching session with a teacher to support you in getting really well grounded in that deep, loving place within yourself because you're being challenged right now in a, in a powerful way. You're, you're, you're strong enough for it, and you need to find that place within you that where that strength resides. So give us a call, and we'll support you. And also we're going we're gonna to go on with another call with some more information okay. in just a minute. But okay. I wanted to you. ask you as, uh, as you go off the line here, Lois, beautiful sharing. Thank you so much. But stay on the line for a minute and give your uh, information to the um, to the producer, and he'll make sure that you get a, a copy of Joan's book. Okay, thank, thank you very much. Thank you so much. Yeah, all the best to you, Lois. Joan, I wanted to ask you about this event that you have coming up. I don't know if it's a workshop or retreat, I guess it is, for limited 25 people called, called Authoring Your Life. And one of the things about for our listeners' um, knowledge, Joan, of course, has written 15 amazing books over the last... 20 years, but she also does workshops. She's got a, uh, a special, I think it's a year and a half course on, uh, you know, on spirit, becoming your a spiritual guide. Uh, and she is just, uh, in every way, reaching out. She left the safety of academic life uh, many years ago to, to become 
someone out there in the world who's you know teaching us all very directly. And so I want to encourage people to to go to this um, program and invite you, Joan, to speak for just a minute about how to be in touch with you uh, about it. I, I guess we'd go to your sure. website. Yeah, I mean, if you go to my website, this means you have to actually know how to spell my name, which <laughs> I'll tell you, if there's reincarnation, I'm going to be Smith. But Borisenko, <laughs> B-O-R-Y-S-E-N-K-O, joanborisenko.com. People can, you know, take a look at what I'm doing, look at videos, look at articles. My favorite way to stay in touch, by the way, is Facebook, uh, and I have a community page and I'm on it at, when I'm home at least two or three times a day, almost always. And I love to interact. So that, that's a lot of fun. The Writer's Retreat is the weekend of March 23rd through 25th. And it's at the Sunrise Ranch in Loveland. Cal- you should do a retreat in Loveland. It's perfect for the Hoffman process. Loveland, Colorado. Right. It's, uh, it's about an hour from Boulder. And it's... It really has to do with looking at the stories in your own life that uh, may be unfinished, uh, looking at stories in your life that may, you know, in some way bother you or afflict you, and rewriting those stories in a transformational way. And it may be through poetry. It might be through prose. We're going to learn a lot about the craft of writing that, to recognize that the word author, authority, it's the same word. You are Authenticity. The authority. You have yeah. the power with inside of you to actually look at the narrative flow of your life and actually change that story. And so this is, this is what we're going to be doing, and it's going to be great. It's um, really limited in size because uh, I like to work with small groups particularly with this kind of um, of writing, which needs to be shared, so all well, that's a wonderful opportunity for anyone who's listening because yeah. uh, to have an opportunity to be with Joan. How many days is it, Joan? It's um, Friday night, Saturday, and half of Sunday, okay. and they can go actually online to sunriseranch.org, which is where they would register, mm-hmm. and uh, that's the most direct way. Wonderful. Well, to spend two days with Joan Borisenko is uh, one of the greatest things you'll ever experience in your life. So I encourage anyone who's within uh, striking distance, and I guess you could fly in uh, if uh, if you can't drive, uh, to attend this program. It's, I'm sure, going to be fantastic. Um, Joan, what you, you spoke earlier about uh, when you were doing your, your other book, uh, your original book, um, not the original book, I meant the first book we talked about, your soul's compass about accessing all these great teachers, spiritual teachers, and you made a little passing comment about uh, that. I thought I heard you say something about the world, where the world is going. And I was wondering if you might take a few minutes to comment on, um, you know, well, you these know, are amazing I, I, times, and what is the difference that the individual can make in these times? Not just using spirituality to feel good, but you maybe using it to make a difference. How do we discern right action in this in, a, in the world today? Yes, it's changing so rapidly. That's so important, and it's so it's so important. For example, um, for us as individuals, because most of us have to earn our livings in ways that we we never had to do before. Suddenly things are moving to the Internet or our job has 
many, many of your listeners, I betcha, have lost a job. And to be able to, to find your path by centering inside yourself and then cooperating. Now, I'm going to take a word from a man at MIT, a management consultant. His name is Otto Scharmer. He wrote a book called Theory U. But he talks about cooperating with the future that wants to emerge. And what that means is that we need time for reflection, time for silence, time in nature, time to center ourselves, because we live in a rapidly changing world. The usual, and it's getting noisier, faster. Uh, you know, people don't take a moment to think about anything these days. And so what we need to do is, instead of like ready, fire, aim, we have to take the time to aim, take the time to center. And then we can really see, hey, when, how can I be most useful in this world? And then, you know, once you've taken that time, you may go into rapid action, but at least you know that you've discerned a direction to go in that feels like it's going to be the best way for you to develop your soul, to have passion, to enjoy your life, to love what you're doing, and to help others. And that's, you know, it's even corporations are getting more interested in this uh, because otherwise their employees are burning out and people in general, none of us have really been taught how to deal with uncertainty. Well, you know, it used to be that with, yeah, with, well, Joan, I was just going to say, I didn't mean to jump on you, but I was going to say that um, uh, all these time-saving devices, including the computer that we've all been given, have just expanded our ability to do more work and filled every last niche of time that we have. And you really have to take the, have the discipline to disconnect with the computers, with the cell phones, and connect to yourself. You do, and that's one of the things I've learned is my own anti-burnout strategy that I suggest for others, and that is <laughs> there has to be at least one day of Sabbath a week, you know, at least. Yep. And that yeah. is a day when you're just totally enjoying yourself. You do what fills you. You hang out with, with your family or your friends, or for us it's going on long walks with our dogs or, you know, whatever, whatever it is. And they're not times for the cell phone. They're, you know, I turn my cell phone yeah. off. They're Joan, not times we're, we're getting the signal here. The program is ending. I want to thank you for being with us today. It's been beautiful and brilliant. Thank, thank you again. Thank you for inviting me, Raz, and thanks to all your listeners. Wonderful. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you again for being a part of the Hoffman Connection. Please join your hosts, Raz and Grossi and Ed McLoon, again next Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Until then, make it an outstanding week.